Cornucopia Radio presents Come on, Daisy. Ruddy Hell, it's only three steps. I know. Don't rush me. You'd have skipped up there last week. Aye, I know. Look at me, Charlie. Me, a quivering wreck. You'll need a new photo frame and all. Right, come on. No messing. I don't know. All this for a tin of soup. I don't even like mulligatawny. Mind you, it's a good job it is mulligatawny, otherwise it wouldn't be there tantalising me from the top shelf of my kitchen cupboard. The one thing between me and starvation. Rotten, ruddy co-op. I'll sue them, I will. That's the spirit, Daisy. A bit of fighting talk. <laughs> hey, maybe if I straighten away a coat hanger and with a big hook on the end, I should be able to catch myself some mulligatawny with that. Oh, the flipping egg. Let me look through me spio. Oh, no. Not another rotten carer. Go on, up it. I have to make sure that you're up. I am up. And dressed. I am dressed. And breakfast. Ah, well, you'll have a job on there. What did you say? Never mind. Daisy, I... It's Mrs Markham to you. Mrs Markham, look, I... Mrs Markham nothing. Now, go on, before I set me dog on you. You haven't got a dog. Woof. I'll have to ring my boss. You can do a fan dance for all I care. Now go on, up it. Bloody carers, bloody co-op. If they'd have cleared the snow off the steps, none of this would have happened. Dr Kenwood, Mrs Markham. We're in the City General. Where can we teeth? Sorry? My teeth. I didn't quite... I said, where are my teeth? Goodness me, I'm looking at my mouth. Teeth! Teeth! Oh, teeth. Sorry. They're in the drawer by your bed. That's better. Thank you. Good. Now, can you tell me what day it is? Tuesday. And the year? 2017. Who's the Prime Minister? What's she got to do with anything? I need to make sure you're not concussed. I fell on my backside. What a palaver. They wouldn't let me out of bed, and you know I can't use them bedpans, Charlie. Twice I asked them to take me to the toilet. In a minute they'd say, I ran my own business, me. I told them, 27 people I employed. And there I was, crossing my legs and sweating. I took myself in the end. They came pretty sharpish then. You'll have to get back into bed, Mrs Markham. You can't get up. You ruddy watch me, I said. I'm all right. I told them. I'd just spent £40 in the co-op and loaded it all in my shopper ready to wheel home. There'd have been more help to me finding that bugger. But no, prodded and poked I was. Blood and x-rays and samples of everything taken. 
And then, after two days of telling me what I couldn't and shouldn't be doing, sowing seeds of doubt, they tell me I'm all right. I'd have called a cab and got off, but they said I couldn't go home without a, a full care package in place. There are people my age still running marathons, I told them. Not many, I'll grant you, and not very fast either, but there are some. I saw it on the television. Care package my backside. Blow it, where's that soup? Right then, steady yourself, Daisy, and don't look up. I've got to look up to make sure the hook's on the right shelf, you great balm pot. A quick peek, then. I think the soup's at that side. Yes, that's it. Right, eyes down. Here we go. I think I've got it. I have. Gently does it. Don't look up. Here we go. Oh! thunder oh plain flower plain flaming flower oh. oh it must be 15 years since i've used flower oh look at me look at all this mess oh i'll have to clean it all up now Rotten, stinking soap. I'll go without. I'll starve to death, I will. Slow and lingering, taunted by a tin of mulligatawny soap. They'll stop sending the carers then, won't they? Let me have a sit down. Oh, that's better. Hello? Will you bugger off? Leave me alone, the lot of you. I was all right before. You, you can shove your care package. I'd not been home two minutes when they sent that little madam yesterday. Came breezing in like she owned the place. Hello, Daisy. I'm Chantelle. I'll just pop these here all right. What are they? I asked. Well... When we put you to bed in the evening, you'll have to wear these to do your business in until we come back in the morning, she trilled. What? Like a nappy, I said. Yeah, she said, that's right. Straight out with it, just like that. But I don't need a nappy, I said. I can get to the toilet. Oh, I don't think so, she smirked. She spoke to me as if I hadn't a hip of the sense. I ran my own business, me, I told her. I had 27 people working for me. She was picking me pictures and things up, commenting. Get your ruddy hands off, I told her. You can take them nappies, get your backside through that door and don't darken it again. That was her gone. I had three more after her. Shove off, sod off and take off. And then they was up it this morning. They're not sticking a nappy on me and putting me to bed. They can cocoa. Mind you, I could do with somebody helping me get that mulligatawny soap down.
Not another carer, I hope. I'd have thought you lot would have got the message by now. I'm not here to care. I'm here to talk. I used to have my own business, me, you know. So I gather. 27 employees. I hope you haven't got any of them geriatric nappies. No nappies. I bet you've got a bloody clipboard, though. I knew it. I won't use it if you don't want me to. Can't move without a ruddy clipboard, you lot. Let me have a look at you. Stand by my spile where I can see. I can take it back to the car. Don't bother. I expect you need something to write on. I do a bit. Well, at least you look as if you might know what you're doing. I'm hoping so. Just talk, you say? Just talk. Hm. I might get me soup with a bit of luck. Sorry? Uh, nothing. Is that me shopper? Ooh, at last, somebody with a brain. <laughs> Mind you, you've a few more years on you than that shower they've been sending round here. One or two. And no uniform. Does that mean you're in charge of the shower? Guilty. My name's Jenny. Hello, Jenny. Hello, Mrs Markham. The co-op stored your shopper in the stockroom, so it's been kept nice and cold. And they asked me to tell you that if anything's gone out of date or spoiled, if you ring them up, they'll deliver replacements free of charge. I should think they will. It was their bloody snow I slipped on. Are you going to help me put this lot away? Do you need me to help? Not especially. I won't then. You can put the kettle on. Can I take my coat off? I expect so. Thank you. I have to say you make a ruddy good cup of tea. My grandma taught me. And if I get it wrong, she plays Mary L. Your grandma? Yeah. Are you sure? Of course I am. I'm not being funny, but you must be the wrong side of 45. 56, actually. Oh, you don't look bad for 56. I'd have put you at 48 or 9 myself. Thank you. Mind you, my eyes aren't what they were. <clears throat> so, 56 and still got a grandma. She must be knocking on. 104. Blood and sand. Mind you, that's only two years older than me, isn't it? It is. Which is why I've been to see her. To ask her advice. About what? The best way of dealing with you. Did she give you any? She did. What was it? Step gingerly. A wise woman. Shall I clear the tea things away, Mrs Markham? Oh, call me Daisy. And no, you're all right. I'm only putting them on the side. I'll wash them later. Here we go. The clipboard's out. It's just a box ticking exercise. Why don't you tell me something about yourself? Like what? Like what have you got all down you? It's flour. Ask me something else. Okay. I dropped it on myself earlier, trying to get something out of the cupboard. I'd have got changed, but it's been like Piccadilly Circus round here. How long have you lived here? Since 1990. Not long after Charlie. My husband died. Is that a photograph of him? Yes, that's my Charlie. He was a fine-looking man. I've got a better picture than that. Let me get me box. There. Look at that. It's a ringer for Clark Gable, isn't he? Clark bloody Gable? My Charlie was ten times better than him. The first time I saw him, I couldn't take my eyes off him. My dad was a coal man. 
Everybody had a coal fire back then, and he did quite well. He had a horse and cart to start with, but when his horse died, he bought a motorised coal wagon. Oh, God, we were posh. Apart from it kept breaking down. Charlie came to mend it. He had his own garage. Impressive. It was back then, let me tell you. We were married six months later. He was a good bit older than me, 14 years. He'd lost a foot in the war. First war, that is. He used to try and hide it from me, as, as though it was something to be ashamed of. Daft beggar. As if I'd not noticed he'd got a foot missing. Was that your business then? What? The garage. No, I'm not a motor mechanic. Not like her. What's her face? Australian. Kylie Minogue? Aye, that's her. You're a bit behind your soaps. Is she not in it now? Donkey she is. Did you and Charlie have any children? No. Two stillbirths and three miscarriages. The miscarriages were bad enough, but the stillbirths. You had your baby at home back then, the crib by the bed, all ready and waiting. <laughs> Both were little girls. Beautiful. A little part of me died each time. I blame myself. <laughs> I'm sorry, Daisy. Oh, life goes on, lass. Life goes on. We decided enough was enough and gave all our attention to each other instead. This is a poignant photo, Daisy. You look wistful, sad. It was sad. Sad time, sad place. I'll take that back if you don't mind. What kind of work did you do, Daisy? Hairdressing, eventually. I was a hairdresser. So that was your business? Yes. I opened my first salon in 1951 in Sheffield City Centre. I ended up with three. I've cut Shirley Bass's hair, me, when she was on the fiesta. Claude Rogers, Scylla Black, Mary Hopkinson, quite a few stars, really. Wow. And how long were you hairdressing for? Till last year. Last year? Well, six months since, actually. Aye, <laughs> you don't get many hundred and one-year-old hairdressers, do you? My last customer died two weeks before my birthday. I do miss Connie. You had your salons until last year? No, I sold those years ago. I sold two, and then I sold my last one when I was 70. But I still had quite a few people on my books, so I went mobile. At 70? Yes. Whatever's the matter with you? Why shouldn't I go mobile at 70? It's only a number, you know, the passage of time. It has no bearing on me as a person. I decide how fit and well and active I am, and not some ruddy number. Not everyone's the same, though, are they, Daisy? Exactly. We're not all the same, and we shouldn't be judged so either. Life is like a train ride. We all get on, some get off sooner, and some get to travel further. I'm still enjoying my journey, thank you very much, and I hope to continue a good while yet. I didn't mean to get you back up. You didn't. Where was I? Mobile. Yes, mobile. I used to love tootling about in my little car, especially after being stuck in a salon all those years. 
But one by one, my customers started to pop the clogs. And then Charlie popped his. Then I moved to these flats and I got a whole new set of customers. Until they all popped off. I could cut your hair if you like. No, you're all right. Put you some highlights in. Copper. It's fine, honest. Brighten your face up a bit. Thank you. Have you got somewhere you need to be? Not yet, why? Do you want to put the kettle on again? So, your 104-year-old grandmother, does she have a carer? No, she chucked a banana at one once. Sounds like a woman after me own heart. She said it would have been a pineapple if she could have picked it up. <laughs> Does she live on her own? No, she's just moved into a retirement village. It's not far from here. It's a lovely place. All sorts of activities. She likes it. Likes the company. If I want company, I put the radio on. It's no substitute for people, though, is it? I'm all right as I am. Maybe when I'm 104... There's only a couple of years between us. I might know her. That's what Grandma said. And does she? She said the only daisy that she ever knew was the one she spent some time with at Manor Grange. Florence Arnold? Yeah. Is she your Grandma? Yeah. Tiny slip of a thing. Eyes like saucers. Florence never flow. She had a battered old camera, always taking pictures, even there. Did she tell you what sort of a place Manor Grange was? The sort of place a young girl in trouble was sent. They took your baby away at birth, and after a week's convalescence, back home you went, never to mention it again. That just about sums it up. It could have been a lot worse. I could have been kicked out onto the streets, sent to the workhouse or the lunatic asylum. Plenty were. Men had a lot to answer for back then. They didn't have anything to answer for. That was the trouble. We women had only just been allowed to show our ankles. They may well have been flappers in London and gay Paris, but they'd not flapped up to Rotherham, let me tell you. And for all the good Emmeline Pankhurst did... She riled a lot of men along the way and a lot of women paid the price. I was told that if I, if I opened my mouth, not only would I lose my job, it'd tell everybody I'd given him the come on. The postmaster general, a pillar of the community. Who would have believed me, eh? My parents were so proud that I worked for the postmaster general. How did they find out? I came home from work one day and my mother was sat waiting for me. I notice you've not been having your monthlies, Daisy, and that you're thickening at your waist, she said. I thought they'd just stopped. So naive. Course, I blurted it all out then, didn't I? Dad must have been listening behind the door. He came marching in, some woman following him. Is that true, Daisy, he asked me. I nodded. He grabbed his hat and slammed out. The woman was a local midwife. 
She examined me and said I was five months gone. And whilst I sobbed and packed my bag to go to Manor Grange, Dad went and confronted the Postmaster General. What happened? I don't know, to be honest. He was a big man, my dad. He'd done some bare-knuckle fighting in his time, too. So, I'd like to think that when he knocked on the Postmaster General's door, the Postmaster General mucked his pants. I hope he did. Whilst I was in Manor Grange, Mum and Dad up sticks and moved to Sheffield to give me a new start. They sound like they were nice people, your parents. Oh, they were. Was my grandma at Manor Grange when you got there? No. I was on my own in this horrible room the first couple of days. All brown and beige, bleak and austere. There was a second bed in the room. Florence was ushered in and a few belongings plonked onto it. She was like a little doll. The first thing we did when we looked at each other was burst into tears. <laughs> we hit it off straight away. We used to sneak into the garden in the sunshine. The nuns would shout and tut and, and we'd laugh. <laughs> and everywhere we went, that battered old camera of hers went to click, click, click. Were there just the two of you there? Good Lord, no. There must have been ten to fifteen rooms in all. Some with two beds, some with three. You weren't encouraged to mix. Not that you wanted to. But we all had our meals in the refectory. I was scared, but Florence, oh, she was terrified. There were some real horror stories flying around and sometimes we'd hear screams. When you went into labour... They took you to a different part of the building, cleared out your cupboard and took your things across. You weren't allowed to go back. I woke up in the night thinking I needed the toilet. My waters broke in the corridor. You weren't meant to know what you had, but I heard them say it was a boy. I called him Brian in my head. The 29th of November... 19.30 was born, 11am. I was 15 years old. <sighs> Afterwards, I was taken to a single room. My things were already there. I sneaked straight back to let Florence know that I was all right and that she needn't worry. I came over all faint and sat in a chair... That's when she took that photograph of me. When she'd had it developed, she sent it to Manor Grange and they posted it on to me. Poor Florence. I often thought of her. She had nothing and no one. Born into service, it was a home, a livelihood, everything. She didn't know what was to become of her. Thanks to that lecherous old so-and-so. The lecherous old so-and-so developed a conscience. Not only did he pay for Manor Grange, he set her up in a little house and gave her a hundred pounds a year allowance. Ruddy hell! There were strings attached. Oh, I'll bet there was. But she said she used him as much as he used her. She got him to buy all her photography equipment. Good for her. She had a brilliant career, travelled all over. Oh, I am so pleased. 
He must have cared for her, though. And she for him, because she stayed faithful to him. There was never anyone else. Did they have any more children, then? No. But... My mum is the baby from Manor Grange. When mum had me, she decided to trace a biological mother. <gasps> oh! <laughs> Oh. oh, I don't usually cry, but talk at me. I'm like a ruddy gushing drain pipe. Oh, my anky's wet through. Yeah, I've got some tissues. Thank you. Oh, what a lovely story, Jenny. That really is a lovely, happy story. I'm so pleased for Florence. Did your baby? No. No. No, I let it be known that I would love contact, but it seems he never wanted to. What about now? Oh, too late now. I don't even know if he's alive. He'll be 87 in November. I just hope it was with nice people who loved and cared for him and that he was happy. Hopefully, he will have had a family of his own. That's why I've put that box together. I've left instructions for when I put my clogs that they be traced and what's mine passed on to them. I don't think I could have lived in your day. Thank God things have changed. Oh, from what I see in here, they haven't. There will always be a top, middle and a bottom. The users and the abused and those in the middle just trying to get by. You hear about it these days, that's the only difference. And there are still those who manage to hide things. Drum bangers. Watch out for drum bangers, because you can guarantee that the louder they bang that drum, the bigger the skeleton in the cupboard. Liars and arseholes. They ought to shoot the bloody lot of them. You should go into politics. I might. Vote for Daisy Markham. There aren't many 102-year-old politicians. There aren't many 102-year-old anythings. Is your clock right, Daisy? Yes. Is it time you were off? It is really, yeah. I am glad you came. Me too. I've carried that secret around with me for nigh on 88 years. Thank you for letting me talk about it. Your grandma is a lucky lady. I've given her your telephone number. I hope you don't mind. Oh, I doubt she'll ring me. Not after all this time. Will I see you again? You will, Daisy. Bye. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. Come on, Daisy. Pull yourself together. You've still got that tin of mulligatawny to tattle. Right. Come on. What do they say? On my count. One, two, three steps and grab. Are you sure? Yes. Go. Gotcha. Gotcha. Bloody gotcha. I can put you in the bin now. Oh, not the rotten, ruddy carers again. Look, what have I told you? Sorry, who did you say? Florence? Florence, is it really you?
Daisy Markham was written by Janice Sampson. It featured the voices of Janice Sampson, Chris Barker and Kate Spivy and was edited and produced for Cornucopia Radio by Peter Beeston. For even more amazing audio, visit us online at cornucopia-radio.co.uk.